Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for the second time this week and back with a very special episode. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. I'm delighted to say that I am joined by Mr. Nathan Joyce, host and founder of the Copper Club and South American football expert. He's going to be talking to us today about five players who've made the move from South America across to Europe. And I can't wait to hear what Nathan has to say. So Nathan, welcome to Ranks FC. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, look, thank you so much for having me. I thought with the transfer window coming to a close, um, my life had become a little bit easier, but it's somehow still kept as busy. So yeah, look, football never stops, but it looked delighted to be on. And yeah, it's always talking about South American players is, is a huge honour for me. 
No, fantastic, fantastic. We're going to go straight into this one. We're going to get into the mix of it because there's, there's loads to discuss here. You've come up with a list of five players who've made that jump across or are making, shall we say, they're not all quite here yet, but very much agrees to make the jump across from South America to the European leagues. We're going to run through them five to one and then talk about a couple of honourable mentions at the end. But there's some Premier League players here. There's a couple of players playing in La Liga. There's a few from across Europe. It's all very, very exciting and an exciting summer, I thought generally, before we get into the list, in terms of those players making moves from South America to Europe, it feels like that pond, if you will, is back up and being given the respect and love that it deserves from the scouting networks in Europe once again, not just Portugal. Yeah, 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 no, you're right, 100%. I think because like the rules have completely relaxed a little bit when it's when it comes to the terms and conditions of the work permits it's now allowing clubs to like go direct to the source which yes it's great to see um and i also think like look a lot of premier league teams now need to do that in order to compete brighton obviously the perfect example and probably not the last time i'm gonna bring them up today but in order to take that next step like you are having to sort of branch out a little bit deeper away from Europe. And look, South America is huge and it's beyond Brazil and Argentina now, like Independiente de Vale with Ecuador, as we've seen with Moses Caicedo. Um, there's so many sort of little nuggets here and there, but nowadays like streaming for all these games is easily accessible. So there's really no excuses, but it's nice to see like Premier League teams away from the big six um, get involved nice and early. Brighton, Wolves. I'm a Forest fan, so I'm delighted to see that they're, they're well. They appear to be diving in there more than most at the moment. So, yeah, it's really good to see. Um, probably South American fans of teams out there are not so happy that all their best players are being plucked, but it also helps out their national teams as well. So, and look, Argentina and Brazil aren't too bad, are they? So it works out for everyone in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Forest there and there's a there's a Forest flavour to the early parts of this list. So let's get stuck in at five and see where we get to. Yeah, hopefully people stick with me and feel like I'm not just going down a, a Forest rabbit hole here, but it, we will stay away from eventually. The first player, well, it's a Chelsea player first, Andre Santos, has, has made the list. And I wasn't really sure how high to put him on this list. This whole list, bar one or two, was really quite difficult to piece together. But he's coming in at number five, and Andre Santos, on loan from Chelsea. And I'm honestly, the way Chelsea are sitting at the moment, I think they're probably kicking themselves that he's not actually introduced within the squad. Throughout preseason, there was this whole question to loan or not to loan. And they were playing him as like a number six defensive midfielder. But he's much more than that. He's far better as an eight pushing up the field. He's a, a real monster. He's a real leader within the team. We saw it mainly for Brazil under-20s. And he went back. Obviously, Chelsea signed him in the January transfer window, but he went back on loan to Vasco. So he just about uh, gets him with the T's and C's for his top five. But Chelsea couldn't find a way to utilise his best assets, which is why he found himself at Nottingham Forest. And this news broke at like quarter past 11, half 11 at night. So it sort of almost caught me off guard. I wasn't sure if it was actually true at first with the amount of um, rumours flying about. And I was massively excited because this was before the influx of uh, midfielders which came into the club like Sangare, Dominguez, players like that. I think who, who were original top targets, but they knew that there was always going to run to the end of the deadline. Yeah. So Andre Santos was sort of a banker, but don't just see him as a squad player. 
I've said on many podcasts on my own and it's bold claim, so I have to stick with it now. But I genuinely feel like he'll be one of the best Premier League players in the next three, four, five years. I think he'll adapt perfectly. He's really sort of shone in Brazil, but also for their under-20 national team as well. And the best thing to pull from that is the recent South American under-20 championships. So Vitoloque and Andre Santos both scored six goals. Obviously, Vitoloque, striker, Andre Santos was playing as a holder midfield within that tournament. So look, back in his own age category, he was a monster. He dominated it. He was a real leader. He wore that captain's armband, but for many different reasons, likes to travel with the ball. He's definitely a goal scorer and offers a lot more than just the defensive roles where Chelsea was sort of trying to squeeze him in and transition him into that squad. So I think Chelsea made at first the right decision to be like, look, we want him to get Premier League experience. Let's move him to a team who aren't going to be as competitive, so to speak. I'm happy to say that. But also in a role where he's going to really show his advanced style of play. However, now Forest have signed three or four or five midfielders. Yeah. It's getting a little bit crowded. Although Chelsea, on the other hand, are lacking those attacking players. So his game time may be a little bit more limited than for, at Forest than expected. However, he probably would easily fit into that Chelsea 11, 14, 15, um, as we've seen at the early starts of the season. So really interesting to see how he progresses. Hopefully he gets minutes on the pitch. I think once he starts getting those 20, 30 minutes into his legs, he will become a real important player for Forest. And I think people will start to see why I've made so much noise about him. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for Forrest going forward because obviously there's this sort of shifting at the moment between that four in the back and the five of the back system. Now, it doesn't affect the midfield all that much, right? There's usually a three in there, whether it's a 5-3-2 or a sort of 4-3-3. And I think it's, what's interesting here is, as you say, when he signed for Forrest, I was like, that's a really good signing because there is that ability to play, as you say, in a number of different roles. And yes, I agree in, in terms of what he brings skill set wise to playing maybe as that more number 10-ish player, but also as an eight. And then obviously there, Chelsea have, have, have kind of profiled him as a six. So if he can play in all three midfield positions, then, you know, you have a player there who's, who's very useful to have as a squad player in almost any situation. But... As we say now, Sangari's come in. He's taken that number six shirt. He feels like he is the big name that kind of closed the window off. Nicolas Dominguez, I really, really like as a footballer. And when you kind of add that to, I don't know, Mangala, who's already there, Ryan Yates coming in off the bench as well. I, I wonder how much game time he gets. We've only seen him feature, obviously, in the EFL Cup against Burnley. Is there a worry that if he doesn't get, I don't know, eight, nine games, even off the bench in the first half of the season that Chelsea will look at this and be like, well, why, what are we doing there? We're, we're gaining nothing from him being at Forest. Yeah, I think on the surface, there is that concern. I would be surprised if there wasn't handshakes behind the scenes and, and general discussions about his playing time and who Forest targets were, because why would Forest want to potentially salvage a relationship where look, Premier League teams do need loanies to be able to climb higher up the table, so to speak. I don't think necessarily Forest themselves thought all these main targets would come in. Like that deadline day was crazy. No one really expected all of them to fly in and, yeah. and sign, at least of all probably Steve Cooper. But having options from a Forest point of view is fantastic. And it's a long season. Yes, Forest are already out of the EFL Cup. But 
transitions and transitions within the squad will happen. And what we saw with Forest last year was had a really strong 11 towards the back end of the season, but the bench was championship quality. So Forest need to be able to change a game around the 60th, 70th mark, which can change the formation or if they're holding on to a lead, which isn't going to like really like weaken them. And the players which have been brought in, Dominguez, as you as you brought up, I think he's a really good pickup, but predominantly defensive. Sangari, defensive. Ryan Yates, they've been trying to transition him forward into a more attacking player. Don't know if he has that particularly in his locker. Mangala, do you know what? Probably Forest fans won't like me for this. I think he could be one of the weakest links. I don't think Mangala and Sang- Mangala and Sangari will play together often. They're very similar players, especially at home. If you're playing three midfielders, as Forrest do, can come across a bit too defensive. And that is what Forrest fans are crying out for, to have a bit more creativity in the midfield. And Forrest will go through periods of time throughout the season where they won't win for four or five games. Like That's naturally going to happen. So the fact that Forrest can probably rotate with Andre Santos, Danilo, and see if they can get that Brazilian partnership in the middle, I feel like that will really benefit the team. So... Yeah, there's a lot of defence midfielders in there. But for me, Andre Santos isn't one of them, which should, in theory, put him towards the top of the pecking order. Yeah, no, I thought I forgot about Danilo. Yeah, because he was so good last season. And suddenly you're like, oh, OK, where's he gone? Um, So I agree. I, I think that Mangala and Sangare, both a little bit too clumsy in possession to be having them as a shield together, especially in games that you're looking to kind of dominate from. But uh, I'm sure Steve Cooper will work it out if anyone could. Uh, then Cooper could. <laughs> yeah. Let's stay with Forrester and let's move to number four, shall we? Yeah. Number four, again, someone who I probably could have squeezed into the top two, but we haven't seen too much of him yet. But Corinthians Maria, who's made the move over to Trentside, uh, really caught me off guard. There's there's two left-sided centre-backs up and coming in the Brazilian Serie A at the moment. One of them is Lucas Baraldo for Sao Paulo, who everyone's got their eyes on. And then Murillo for, for Corinthians. And yeah, it's only his first senior season, uh, first season in senior football, rather, 27 games, but he's immediately caught the eye. And as we said at the start of this conversation, like players are now getting picked a lot quicker. I honestly feel if Forrest hadn't brought him in this window, the January transfer window when the Brazilian season is over, other teams higher up the table, so to speak, the so-called bigger teams in the Premier League or maybe La Liga, whatever, would be looking at him. I genuinely think this guy's got such a high ceiling and he's sort of tailor-made for the Premier League. Now, people who haven't seen him play will probably just look at him and look at his size. Those two or three uh, minute YouTube clips will show you that he's got a frame to match. He's six foot, he can head it, he can kick it and he's strong and shield the ball out of play. But he's really confident and got a footballing brain to match. He wants to play out from the back, which is what Steve Cooper wants with his centre-backs. We saw against Burnley on Monday night that Scott McKenna, Joe Worrell are a little bit slow, a little bit championship-esque. And he's wanting them to play. And Scott McKenna got in all sorts of bother trying to fill that role. So the fact that they can step up and put in like a young Brazilian who is on his way to the top, he won't be at Forest for two or three years. I really feel like he will push on because he likes to play out from the back. He can switch it, but it switches it with pace. Like none of these lofty balls which you see from yeah, defenders who are just putting the ball up when an option isn't on. He likes to try these diagonal passes, but putting players into attacking positions. And something we saw for the under-20s at Corinthians 
maybe showing that he was a, a level and step above that age group from the off, which is why he sort of transitioned to the top so quickly, so to speak, was the fact that when he won the ball, it was, and the only other person I've really seen has done over like the last decade is Sergio Ramos in the fact, and I know that's a big Hell of a comparison, play, but you know, <laughs> but all good. the style of play in terms of picking up the ball, looking for his midfielders and bombing up past the striker and wanting to showing that he can play with his feet, but get up the pitch and wanting to be in and around like that 10 yard box and move the ball quickly. Now that has been massively reined in since moving into the senior football with Corinthians. However, the intention and the keenness to move the ball quickly up the pitch and be part of that is massively important to how Steve Cooper currently operates in that counter-attacking football, which we saw to be so effective last season, which ultimately kept them up. So Forrest can have a player like that who can get it down, can play, also defensively really sound. The way he reads the game, I, I think he can come across a bit chaotic from the way I'm describing him, but not at all defensively really sound like I said he's made 27 appearances this uh, in the last season and he's already made his move and then I can't really get my head around as to how Forrest have pulled this off they must have pulled some strings worked some magic here because he's going to the very top this lad and hopefully I'm, I'm not wrong look there's a lot but off the pitch with these young Brazilian lads who've come through learning a new language new environment all of that but he does look tailor-made for the Premier League if he can get everything aligned off the pitch so Really excited about this lad. I think he'll be transitioned really slowly into the team, which I'm happy with, to be honest. Yeah. Like he's starting the season, the start of the Premier League season, but 27 games in. Like he could end up playing 50, 60 games if he were just chucked in now, which is unfair for him. So look, nurture him into the team. And yeah, he's got a really high ceiling. Um, and as a Forest fan, very happy with this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting in terms of what you said about sometimes you can't wait. And, and I think that there was interest from Napoli. I saw that City were linked, but I, I don't know how much truth there was in that considering the Gvardiol move. But the fact that, you know, Napoli, Porto were linked, you know, and that is such a you know common landing spot for young Brazilian players because the language barrier is reduced, et cetera, et cetera. To, to step in and make that move early sometimes is the best thing that you can possibly do. But I was going to bring up the fact that there is, you know, we talked about the switcher formation, the the way that Cooper seems to be shifting between a three at the back and a, and a four at the back or, or a two centre-back partnership. And actually what that where that leaves everyone, because there are a lot of centre-backs on the books here. And maybe this is a good thing, as, as you alluded to, and you've kind of caveated it already by being like, okay, there's space and time to work him in. But obviously Muta Niakate was, was brilliant last season. Worrell, as you say, I also have my concerns, but is and remains club captain. Um, Scott McKenna, I, I think, is probably on the way out. But Omar Bamadeli was brought in from Norwich, uh, the young Irish international, and then Willie Bolly's there again, potentially on the you know the downslope of his career at this point. Uh, and Felipe, who who made such a difference last year, that's a lot of bodies to get past, I think, it, uh, at this point. But maybe that does give you that freedom to just be able to rein someone in. And at sort of twelve million. I don't think anyone's going to be furious if he doesn't play that much from from here to the you know to the Christmas break even. Whereas I think with someone like Andre Santos, if he doesn't get those minutes, Chelsea are going to be looking at Forrest going, hang on, this is this is not what we agreed. Yeah, look, he, he's Forrest's player, so and he's on a I think it's a five year deal, if I believe, which indicates that they're going to sort of like slowly nurture him in and make sure that he is right. And yes, look, there are a lot of centre-backs there. As you started listing them, there was a couple of, even I forgot about. 
But last season, Nia Kante was out injured for huge periods and he's already struggling this season yeah. like on the bench, not getting in purely because of other injury problems. Felipe has started to creep into that category of sitting on the sidelines as well, purely because of injuries as he's getting older. But without those two, you are sort of starting to describe a lot of championship players or unproven yeah, players. So without them last season, because Forrest had a million injuries, like there were there was a lot of panic stations at the back. So I don't, now we've got adequate cover. Mario can be slowly sort of like implemented into the team and eased in, which is fine by me. I don't want him to be rushed in and then everyone sort of get on his back when Forrest are losing a few games. All about getting everything in order off the pitch. Hopefully, Nia Carte and Felipe can come back and sort of kick Warrell out of the team. Definitely Scott McKenna. Um, I'm surprised that he hasn't had a low move, especially as you said, the amount of players who have come in and, and are available for Forest at the moment and still starting was quite crazy on Monday. But it was sort of, even though Forest didn't have a good game against Burnley, it was still evident to see like where the weak links are. So it's good that that's been addressed, but also. Now Forest have sort of stayed up in the Premier League and hopefully sort of cemented the position for the next few years, something to build on. Forest are looking at uh, centre-backs, young centre-backs, which can carry them forward for three, four, five years. And if they are to really kick on, like I think Maria will, you've bought him for 12 million. There's no reason in this day and age why he won't go for 30, 40, 50 million plus if he is to have a year or two uh, of success. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, banking for the future. Right, let's leave Trent's side behind, shall we? Let's go to number three. Yeah, number three. Well, there's still a slight there's still a link. link. There's still <laughs> a link. Of course there is. Um, a little bit left field maybe for some of your listeners here, but Santiago Heze, who's joined Olympiacos, uh, obviously Forest's owner's other club, but made the move to Olympiacos. He was heavily linked with Anderlecht, and that was pretty much all signed, sealed and delivered at one point. But similar fee between six to eight million euros from Hurricane. But he's found his way at Olympiacos, which is probably a better fit for him. He's come in and automatically started. So, yeah, Heze, 21-year-old DM, uh, first caught my eye at the start of this year, really, in terms of he was 20, captain for Hurricane. And I started watching the qualifiers of the Libertadores, obviously, as I always do. And it's a long tournament, so throw myself in the qualifiers. And he was the one player which caught my eye. And they didn't even qualify. Um, I think they got knocked out to Sporting Cristal. But he was the shining light for them. And they went on and had a dismal campaign as well. I think they finished 26th, 27th in the regular season in uh, Argentine Primera. But Heze really stood out like i said to be captain at 20 at 20 now going into 21 that's what caught my eye first and foremost as because look i imagine a lot of premier league clubs were or european clubs are looking at as well as soon as someone's given the armband that young within a team within such an important role and playing 90 minutes every week he has all those leadership qualities so look dm with a lot of responsibility and working in a poor team which make his stats look a lot worse than what they actually were, which is probably why he's snuck under the radar. But he's a bit of a terrier in possession. He's yeah. really calm. And then out of it, he's just like a dog with a bone and won't like sort of let up when he's chasing onto uh, opposing players. Sort of reminds me of, of Jao Gomez in a way, in the way he likes to press so high at the pitch if he senses an opportunity. He's not putting himself out of position for the sake of it. 
but he can offer that um, attacking threat in terms of assist. He's definitely not a goal scorer. We saw a few heady goals during his time for Hurricane. And he's not the tallest player either. So again, I think it shows his positional sense when smaller players are getting in and around the box in dangerous areas and adding a few goals. I think it's more about their footballing brain than anything else. Yeah. And in and around the day penalty box, he's offered so many clever assists. And if he was at a half-decent team last year, those stats would have been triple because he's played in his strikers endless amount of times. But as I've already alluded to, Hurricane were terrible last campaign. So I'm glad that he's taken the stepping stone, as I'll call it, to Olympiacos and in Europe. Because if he kicks on there and if he performs really well for Olympiacos, there's no reason why he can't transition to a higher club. I think, like I said, he's gone under the radar. I know we spoke off this podcast and you were a bit good. He didn't go to Fulham. Yeah. And I think there there is the possibility for him to step into the Premier League if this move works out for him. But I like that he has taken that approach with the stepping stone. Europa League, nice experience for him, away from a poor side. And Olympiacos have started to build something quite special if you look at a few of the players they've brought in. So hopefully he can take his career to the next step and potentially look at a, another move in a year or two time. So, um, yeah, massively caught my eye. A little bit left uh, field, especially compared to the first who were so much in the public eye, but a lot of talent with Heze and want to watch. Yeah, I really, really like him. Um, I was talking to the boys at Scouted the other day and they asked me to pick a, a kind of bolter for from some of their ones to watch and Hedse was the was the player I picked. I, yeah. I really, really think that he's got everything he needed. And why, what you said there about being calm in possession and really, really intense out of it uh, is absolutely it. And I talk about this quite a lot on, on Ranks and obviously he's not a similar player to the likes of, of Jude Bellingham or Bernardo Silva in, in stylistically, but... These are the players I always go to in that they will succeed wherever they go in that even when they're not playing well, they give you absolutely everything. And Hetze for me fits into this category. You know, he is one of those players that even when he, things aren't going his way and they often do go his way when he's on the ball because he is actually a really lovely passer and is able to, to progress his side up the pitch nicely. But when he's not having a good game, he's still giving you 110% every single time. And that for me is the kind of marker that fans love and fans will give those kind of players breaks when things aren't working with them in possession because they give you so much out of it. I, I don't see a world where he doesn't succeed. It doesn't, you know, that's the, that's the kind of player that we have on our hands here. And, and I'm excited as well. I think Olympiacos is a really interesting move and elect would have been a, an interesting move as well, but that Europa League campaign, a little bit of, you know, brightness in, in the eye and then people keeping an eye on him. I, I think he's a, a real star of the future as well. And, that sixes are in demand, right? At the moment, the yeah. six market really yeah. seems to be a thing. Now, there are obviously different types. He's not that absolutely physical machine, but what he offers both on and off the ball, I think someone someone is going to make a big move for Santiago Hezza within the next two years. Yeah, look, and two out of the three players with Andre Santos being captain for Brazil in the 20s and Heze, it's no surprise to see them on this list because they offer so much more. And really important, like you said, look, he's offering 110%. Hence why at 20 years old, he was given that captain's armband. Yes, Hurricane were a really poor side. But yeah. They had a lot of experience in there as well who they could have easily just handed that over to one of the elder strikers or the centre-backs. But they saw something in there and they saw the mentality and I think it's mentality which carries you a long way. So, yeah, look, really excited to see where he goes. Okay. All right. Let's move on to number two. Yeah. Second spot didn't make the top spot, but 
Alan Varela, um, what a player. And I think the move is a really intelligent move. He's gone to Porto. Um, key player for Boca in a really poor Boca side. Of late, they've started picking up a few more results and they are introducing a few young players. Look, Valentin Barco, who's been linked heavily with Brighton and Man City and Alan Mandina, who's a really solid 20, 21-year-old midfielder who started adding loads of goals to his game. But Alan Varela, another DM, um, like you said, number six is uh, massively in demand, which is probably why he's earned his move now. I think it was Arsene Wenger who once said about like a good player scans like however many times in a game, but an excellent player is always constantly twitching and looking. And Alan Varela really fits that, and which is why he's earned his move to Porto. It was he was linked heavily with bigger names, Premier League clubs, La Liga clubs. I think it is a nice transition, a nice stepping stone. I think he will learn a lot. He picks up plenty of yellow cards. I think it was double digits last season. He is an aggressive tackler. So, But if he nurtures that side of his game, you've got a really solid uh, number six for Porto, which, again, like calm that aggression down. Get learn. It will learn a lot of Porto. I don't think there was too much more he could have learned at Boca, which may sound ridiculous to the average football fan, but it's a club and club not really going anywhere with any particular direction. I think they've been very fortunate to get to the semi-finals of the Libertadores, but behind the scenes, there's not really a lot there to convince all these young players, hence why they are leaving. But Varela, like I said, was linked with every top team going and he's made this sensible decision. But away from his scanning and his aggressive nature, which can work in his favour, but also against it with the amount of yellows he racked up, he's an unbelievable passer of the ball. Yeah but a progressive passer as well. He's not one of those looking for side to side. And I started watching a couple of his Porto games. He started to play, played last night in Champions League. And again, he's getting the ball and it's just sensible decisions he's making. He's not always looking for that Hollywood pass, but he is finding those 10-yard passes which advance his team or plays uh, an attacking midfielder or winger in a position where they receive it. They can carry on the attack rather than having to pass back to him or his fullback. So it's one thing being clever enough to know when you've got the right space to make the pass. It's another spot in that pass, but it's another element finding that pass, which is putting your teammate in his body in the right position to transfer the ball forward and transition that play uh, and get that attacking play from the off. So, look, I think we'll see that a lot of Porto is definitely going to get those opportunities with the way they dominate that league. I really like the fact that this Porto midfield feels like it's gone over under a, a real kind of overhaul. And obviously, they've had to really change the pace of things since they lost the likes of Vitinha and Fabio Vieira, who provided a, an incredibly creative but also relatively lightweight side for for this team, you know, in, in, in years gone by. But even still, you look at this midfield now, Marco Gruic, Varela, Estacchio, Nico Gonzalez, who signed from Barcelona, Romario Barro, who every football manager player under the sun has been assuming is going to finally make the cut for the last five years and still doesn't seem to have made it through. There does feel like a really you know big opportunity. Gruich nearly left the club th- this summer. Eustachio has had real injury problems, uh, you know, across the course of things. But, you know, you look at the players who have, who have played in there recently. Mateus Uribe w- w- was massive for this team. Um, but he's gone off now to Saudi Arabia, I believe. And, and you kind of look at Sergio Oliveira, who was crucial, went off to Roma and then moved on again. The kind of key elements of who played in the middle have gone. 
And what it means is that Porto have this opportunity to completely rework this midfield. And we've seen Varela take, you know, two games to establish himself as a first team player. He was on the bench in his first league game against Rio Ave. He then got off the bench to play 45 minutes against Aruca. Into the side for the Estrella game was brilliant and then started and played 90 minutes against Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League and was excellent as Porto completely controlled the game. Suddenly you're like, right, he's in. And that's what I love about this. And this is why I really like that you've put this so high up. I have absolutely no doubt that he's going to rack up 30, 40 games for Porto across the course of this season, injuries barring, et cetera, et cetera. Because he feels like he's gone into a side who need him and who where his skill set will be appreciated. And, you know, that that kind of loss of Vitinha and, and Fabio Vieira last year, I thought really hindered Porto in terms of being able to progressively pass the ball and actually get the ball into the final third. And they tried loads of different things with Evan Nielsen and Taremi up front together. They tried loads of different combinations and nothing really worked that well. And Benfica obviously stormed to the title. This year, I think they've looked at that and gone, right, we've got to address that. And, and Varela coming in to sort of provide not only that bite and thrust in the middle, but also the ability to get the ball into those dangerous areas, to get the likes of Wenderson Galeno, who finally seems to have caught fire again at Porto, um, who's taken over that spot from Otavio. And then you're looking at it going, right, cool, can we kick on? And I think he's going to be a, a star man for Porto this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we revisited this at the end of the season and Varela has won Porto's player of the season. Yeah, look, he's obviously got a footballing brain, but he's obviously got one off the pitch as well. So it's either that or he's got good people around him to make that decision where, like you said, like he sent his opportunity at, at Porto where he, he's, he's gotten to the regular side now, or the starting 11 rather, within the first few games. And he's probably going to cement that. And like you said, if he plays those 30, 40 games, football moves so quickly these days. I've been banging his drum for a while and I'm glad he's left Boca. Um, he deservedly needed that opportunity to grow. I think, he, like I said, he wasn't learning in anything else. But what we'll touch upon was just his mentality and his sort of dedication to Boca in a way. Like that move with Porto was put in place and they wanted him to come over and start training with them straight away. And, and he held off uh, and made sure that his team qualified against the Racing in the Libertadores quarterfinals before then going, right, okay, this is going to be my last game. I want to get Boca over the line. Which again, like there's been a theme for the players we've spoken about, and it's all about having that winning mentality and that dedication and that character to really show like who they are as a player and as a person. So the fact that he did that didn't just see the opportunity to go to Porto and was like, right, okay, I'm off to Europe, see you later, sort of thing. It was quite nice for him to uh, stick around, so to speak, put in a really solid performance, carry his team over the line, and then move over to Porto. Uh, a huge testament to his character. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, which takes us nicely to number one, who actually hasn't made the jump just yet. Hasn't made the jump. He's already been brought up. But yeah, Victor Roque from Atletico Paranense is on his way to Barcelona for 40 million euros. Over three instalments, 40 million over three instalments will be probably the bargain of the next decade maybe even extending that to two. He's going to be, he's the man, he's the player for the next 10, 15 years. He's Aguero 2.0. And I don't think it's even a disservice to Aguero to even mention him within that same category. And there's no reason why he can't on to, can't go on to have a career like Aguero, if not better. He has the maturity and everything already at just the age of 18. 
Um, I'm so excited to see him come over to Europe and I really think it's going to make Barcelona into the monster they once were. He seems to be sort of one of the final missing pieces within that team. He can go and learn a little bit more from Lewandowski, even though I feel like Lewandowski may learn one or two things from Vitoloke. Like the way he operates in the final third is just so dangerous. And what he's doing at 18 is just scary, to be honest with you. He's an unbelievable poacher. Uh, he's playing for Atletico Perenense, who are okay, finished seventh, eighth in zero hour at the moment. Um, but he's bailed them out so many times. I think in recent weeks, he's uh, he scored like the equaliser against Fluminense. Uh, he scored the equaliser at home to Atletico Mineiro. He just bails them out of trouble, which is why they're so high up in the table. He scored 11 Serie A goals. I think it was three or four in the Libertadores before they got knocked out. But he's only like five foot eight, five foot nine. But he's this stocky build, which is why he has those comparisons with Aguero. And I've already talked about his movement in the box. He's so clever just to find those extra two or three yards. It makes scoring look really simple and he just does it for fun. But the reason why I mentioned his height, because people are obviously going to be worried. Anytime a South American player comes over to Europe, they always go, oh, what about his size? What about his height? Can he actually cope with the physicality? I think Barcelona is the perfect transition for him. Yeah. He's so good in the air. He bullies defenders who are six foot, six foot one, two reaching the ball first, again, positional sense, poaching, but he just backs himself. And I think, again, we talk about that mentality and we've brought that up with the players throughout, to be honest with you. He has that. And he's been drawn comparisons with Endrick, the Palmeiras striker, who's on his way to Real Madrid. And that will be the new Messi and Ronaldo, maybe not on that level, but it's, it's going to be. I think that's going to push La Liga back to the top of the top of the tree, isn't it? It does feel like that. I, I completely agree on that. Yeah, and I, it's powerful words I'm saying, but Vitoloke is going to be the next best striker we see once, like obviously Messi, Ronaldo go. I'm, I'm massively confident of that. Does a lot of expectations um, and a lot of pressure on him, but since his move, and obviously there's been more and more eyes on him, like Endrick for Palmeiras probably hasn't had the minutes he's deserved, but he struggled a little bit to cope with the pressure, which is fair enough, 16, 17 years of age. Victor Locke is only 18, but he's gone, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity and show people now the world is watching me. And he's just turned into an absolute goal scoring machine. But he's done it for Brazil in the 20s. I touched on earlier, joint top goal scorer in that tournament with Andre Santos. Recently made his debut a few months back in a friendly against Morocco. Hasn't been picked this time around. How... Richarlison and Matthias Cunha are getting picked ahead of him. I don't really know. Maybe once Ancelotti takes over in January, then we'll see the transition once he's finally announced as a Barcelona player. But he's also the missing piece for Brazil. They're a team full of superstars. And then the, the final point, they've really they've been lacking like an R9 for a decade or so. And the fact that Richarlison and Matthias Cunha are still uh, being picked and are the key sort of players to fit that role is is madness in 2023 for Brazil. But Vitor, okay, he's just biding his time. He's gonna, probably going to go up, smash the Olympics, smash it at Barcelona, and then that position is his at Brazil for the next decade. And he's going to break probably all the records in the book. Uh, and I'm massively confident. Like, he's number one in this, but I don't care who was in the list if we're talking about South American transfers over the last five, ten years or five, ten years in the future. He would always be number one in his list. And yeah, his ceiling is incredibly high. 
Yeah, I, I, it's another one where I love the fit of this. You know, Lewandowski is still a, a you know a goal scoring machine when he's given the right ammunition, and I think Joao Felix's arrival has has helped to kind of oil the wheels a little bit when it started to look a bit sticky for Lewandowski. But suddenly in January he gets one competition which should drive him onwards. And two, someone that he can, you know, help shape along the the early roads of their path. And Roquet is going to be coming in here and going, cool. So I've got, I, I back myself to start ahead of Lewandowski, but if I'm not, then I'm coming off the bench room against tired defences. And I've got Robert Lewandowski, one of the greatest strikers of the past generation, if not ever, mentoring me through the end of his career and the opening bit of mine. The spot becomes open at Barcelona to go and be that number nine as Lewandowski inevitably tails off towards the end of his career. Everything about this fits as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I'm so excited about it too. We're looking at him and I think that the first First time he pulls on those Blaugrana stripes and he goes out to play, people are going to be like, oh, Romario's back. And I think that that's about <laughs> as nice a, a compliment as you can be given by the Barcelona faithful. And I don't think they're the same player. I don't think he's quite as creative as, as Romario was. I think he is more of a goal scorer. But, you know, that, sh- that body shape, that sort of stocky build, you say Aguero, and I completely agree with that. But I think the moment a lot of the older generation of Barcelona fans see him, they're going to be like, Romario reborn. And that's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah. And like I said, he's, he's, the fact that he scored 11 goals, it's, it's more than like Flamengo strike forces, Pedro and Gabriel Barbosa, who are meant to be sort of the veterans and the, one of the best strikers in Serie A. Combined, Vitor Roque has scored more goals than them. And I'll just reiterate the fact that he's playing in a really average side. If he was playing for like Botafogo or Palmeiras at the top of the table, God knows how many goals he would be on. So it's, like you said, it's almost perfect timing as well. I'm glad that he did stay because there was talks of, look, when Atletico Perenenza got knocked out of the Libertadores, Barcelona would try and get him in, get him in earlier. Let him finish the season. He's got a job to do to keep them in the Libertadores. Like Atletico Perenenza will want that. But again build up that confidence, finish with 15, 16 goals. Maybe he might even hit the 20 mark. And then there's so much confidence to go in in January. And look, Xavi is feeding through so many young players and he just fits that mould perfectly. So yeah. the timing is almost uh, almost perfection, shall we say. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. It's a wonderful list, Nathan. Thank you so much uh, for putting that together for us. I know you've got a couple of honourable mentions, so I wanted to just sort of touch on them quickly, maybe not in quite as much detail. Yeah, Matthias Franca has finally left Flamengo and off to Crystal Palace. No, obviously carrying an injury at the moment, so it's not like the best time for him to... Look, he's, he's going to need a bit of time once he comes back, but I actually think Crystal Palace have a perfect fit for him. However, I don't know what his best position is yet. He's been um, tried through... I don't know if he knows with... what his best position is yet. No, like, the thing is, over the last year, when he sort of, like, really come in and made himself a senior player for Flamengo, they've had three managers... And some have favoured him, some haven't. And he's been played on the wing, he's been played through the middle. So you've just seen glimpses this year. But if you rewind and saw what he was like last year when he was given more opportunities, um, he is a confidence player. There is someone in there. And I think Crystal Palace is the perfect fit with like Zaha on his way. Like he can sort of see the guidance from Elise and players like that. And look, Jordan Ayew getting a little bit older as well. It's sort of like a nice transition period for him. And Palace seems to be renowned for these fast, quick wingers and attacking players. So it'd be in, it's, it's a job to find out exactly where he fits. But look, I think he's young enough to mould into who you want. So look, an exciting player. I just hope it works out for him. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. I thought that when he signed, that left wing spot was crying out for it. Obviously, we've seen Jeffrey Schlupp play there quite a lot. And yes. whilst Roy Hodgson loves him, uh, and yes. he is a, sort of the old veteran warhorse on that left-hand side with, with Zaha gone, at least he's out at the moment as well. So it's been not quite the, the liveliest front three that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. But the, the concept on paper of having an Elise, Ebere, Etze, Mateus Franza front three behind the striker is pretty stunning in terms of what they can achieve in terms of the ball manipulation and also that ability to just beat players and make things happen in the final third is an incredibly exciting thing for Paris Palace fans but whether he can find his best form out on that left-hand side or not is going to be it's going to be an interesting one I think yeah definitely and he's come over with a big price tag for Brazilian football as well 20-25 million like normally like players like Andre who uh, look like they're on the way out of Fluminense and he's like the next best Brazilian centre midfielder. He's looking around about 15 million. So it is quite a hefty price tag. So look, there's always that element of will they settle, will they not? But you said, like we said, on paper, it looks to be a perfect fit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Who's last then in this little list? You know what? I'm going to go not quite as high ceiling yet, but Alan Minder, who's moved across from Independiente de Vale to Circle Bruges, um, he looks like there could be a little bit of a talent there. Um, using Circle Bruges as a stepping stone, I think it's a nice little move for him. He's only 20, uh, plays as a forward or on the wings, already got off the mark for his new club and appears to be settling in quite well. Just one to keep an eye on. It's one of those ways, again, potentially sneaking under the radar, um, taking that stepping stone to something better. I think there were links previously with Ajax, I believe. So teams like that sniffing around, it's a, quite the compliment. And obviously he's come from one of the best uh, academies in South America, if not the world. So, yeah, one to keep uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. They keep they keep churning out talent <laughs> over there. Um, it's, it's genuinely very, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, one, one of those places that just seems to be the new factory uh, for Ecuadorian talent. So, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good one to be keeping an eye on in in the, in maybe slightly less salubrious circumstances. Um, but with that, Nathan, I think it's probably time us to call it a day here on ranks fc before we go though where can our audience find you and all the brilliant work you do with copper club yeah the copper club in its first year of uh, existence but it's been a busy one already so yeah the copperclub.co.uk is the website for mainly like player profiles stuff like that so transfer windows are really busy periods uh, the copper club podcast series two has just made a return so yeah keep an eye on that if you haven't checked it out there's 10 previous episodes with the likes of Tim Vickery, Kevin Hatchard. So, yeah, some big names to get stuck into so you don't just have to listen to me. And issue three of the Copper Club magazine is in the works at the moment. This time, it's a little different. It's normally just been me with the writing. I've brought in 12 contributors. Uh, I haven't revealed anything yet, but I will for the sake of the podcast. Uh, one Exclusive of- on Ranks FC. We're going to get exclusive. Uh, it feels time to, to drop one, but the Athletics, Daniel Taylor, I'm going to sit down with him and have a four to six page exclusive. This one, we'll be looking at Forest's recruitment and how they venture into South America. So definitely one for the Forest fans. But look, each and every contributor, they're all huge names. Uh, there's a football club, which I'm going to keep close to my uh, chest for now, and a football player within. So all exclusive. That drops, I think, on the 3rd of December. I've got it in for the moment. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. It'll be about 80 pages all around South American football across the globe. Uh, so, yeah, something completely new and the ideal secret Santa gift. <laughs> 
No, it's um, I, I can't can't recommend Nathan's work enough. The Copper Club has been one of the highlights of my summer, and those first ten episodes of Series One of your podcast, I absolutely loved, especially uh, the one with Tim Vickery, who remains a, a personal a personal hero, shall we say? And Nathan, it's been so much fun having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here on Rags FC. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening as well. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Rags FC football podcast talking all about South American players moving to Europe. We'll be back next week. We're back on the main feed on Wednesday as usual. And then again with the second Champions League takeaway of this season. So make sure you're subscribed to the feed. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Take it easy, gang. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.